Well, hello and welcome to the Packaging Brothers podcast. We have a great person today from scrapadvisors.com. Her name is Elizabeth. And what we basically get in today is basically the circular economy in our daily lives, the importance of a closed loop, and then assigning more value to waste and kind of the future trends that are going to kind of be impacting kind of the world of waste and recycling and packaging. So I hope there's some good information here for you. Hope you enjoy it. And here we go. Well, hi, Elizabeth. Welcome to the Packaging Brothers podcast. Hi, Brandon. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for thanks for taking the time. Really excited to talk about the circular economy today. And I know that you're with Scrap Advisor. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. That's a consulting firm that I have. That's great. Can you tell me a little bit more about what Scrap Advisors does and kind of your experience in that type of work? Oh, perfect. Yes. So this company basically started like five years ago. That's when I decided to become a consultant and use all my background in the recycling industry and put it out to work there as a consultant for manufacturing companies. So my idea of this was basically go and help them out and get the best scrap recycler out there and get better prices and you know better processes. Yeah. What are some of the things that you've kind of found that, that companies need the most amount of help with? Well, I think it's a, a lot about process, you know? creating uh, simple steps and instructions and manuals so people can follow up in segregating the scrap, you know. I think uh, in every waste area of industries, we have metal, we have paper, we have cardboard, you know, we have plastics. But we can agree that the common thing on all of them is that the more cleaner the waste it is, the best value it has. And then, you know, it can be recycled more easily. Well, that's great. And so just kind of backing up a little bit, like what is your view on the circular economy? What are some of the things that you think people should really be thinking about or understanding as it relates to circularity as kind of a general concept? Yeah, Brandon, but first of all, you know, I think we need to understand how this circular economy model, it, it pop out, you know, suddenly we were like with the old linear model of uh, reduce, reuse and recycle. And then suddenly we start having, you know, a more a little bit more complex approach, you know, and that's when you know the circular economy model came in. Everything basically started like in the seventies when the uh, governor of Wisconsin, you know, in that time he was a senator, yeah, Gaylor Nelson. He is the father of the Earth Day, May twenty second, you know, and so he was from the uh, Democratic Party. So in the midst of the uh, Vietnam War, you know, in the seventies, that's when you know Americans started like in that hippie movement about let's have a better quality in air and water, you know, and have a less waste of resources. Yeah. So just to give a little bit of background on, on that for, for our listeners here, <laughs> I like how you call it the hippie movement. People started actually caring about the environment and realizing that all of the waste that was being generated was, was having a negative impact on the planet. Exactly. You know, we used to see the models of like, we take, we make and we dispose. We can have a new phone, a newer model, and then just ditch the old one. And when we do this, we're eating, a, we're like basically eating and wasting the fine resources. And that, and also we're producing like toxic waste. So if you think about it, it doesn't work, you know, in the long term. So now with the circular economy, the main thing, Brandon, it's to see waste as food. So if you think about it, we're living in a cyclical world. So if we get a more natural approach, you know, we can definitely 
rethink and redesign the products and the components so we can start reusing it more and more and keep it in a close loop. Can you give me an example of something that is currently functioning within, like with a circular uh, circular model? So one example, Brahman, can be, you know, there's a company in Germany that they decided to start like repurposing their waste. They start having a lot of scrap uh, fabrics of, you know, there's um, industrial carpets that they were manufacturing. So they decided to start using organic dyes that could be easily dissolved with water and wouldn't cause a toxic waste. And then the fibers that they were using, they start using the natural fibers that with some small switches in the composition of the chemistry, they could be biodegradable, you know? So this type of companies and the type of models that they use, it's they design their products based on the end use. So that's when you have a product in a closed loop. When you think about the end of life of that product, that's when you need to think what I'm going to do it, how I'm going to do it. That's when you're designing your product from the beginning. And that's a real company that it's in a closed loop. That example there, sorry, did you say that the carpets were kind of molecular change so they could be biodegraded or, or, or that they would be biodegradable or that the material could be recaptured and reused? The material basically could be recaptured and reused and not produce, not produce toxic waste. So they didn't alter molecularly nothing. They just uh, changed the components of it. So instead of using a red dye that has toxic products, they start looking out for suppliers that can provide them to them a red dye, but that was plant-based, organic. So just by changing the components of the chemistry of the products that they use, they can actually make a difference. And that's when you can you know, have a product in a closed loop. You say that designing products or packaging with the end in mind is one of the most important parts to achieving circularity. It is, Brenda. You know, at this point, if you think that the old model of uh, reduce, reduce, and recycle, it's, it's not working. You know, we need to start cutting waste. And, you know, this is a fact. 40% of the plastic in the world, it's because of packaging. So that's like the single use a plastic waste that it's happening just because we start relying on things to dis- use and dispose, you know, just like that. So every time we, we go to, I don't know, we do carry out and stuff, we're producing waste. It's impossible at some point to stop doing it, you know. So if we redesign the products with different materials, that's when we can have a quick solution and it's going to be for a long term and it's going to be sustainable. Okay. So, uh, Let's talk a little bit about value of waste. How would you define value of waste and how how important is it to circularity? Well, basically there's value in everything that we have. You know, the value, it's low, it's high, it depends of it. But if we can actually have, if we can usually build material, for example, out of plastic, packaging, you know, plastic bags, any other plastic components, like, you know, the paper uh, wrapping and stuff like that. You can even take that plastic and then you can convert it in building materials. If you think about it, it's kind of like, oh my gosh, it's mind blowing, but it's actually being made. So even in Taipei, they're building, you know, big skyscrapers and forums out of these tiles that are like recovered from plastic. So 
that's when you take a cheap material and then you upcycle it and provide more value to it. So even plastic like this, it has value. The main goal is to know and understand how to use it more efficiently when it can increase their value. I was here on your website and it says MAST, which I think is the name. Is that the actual name of your company? Yes, that's the name of a company. And I see under there, there's core pillars and there's four main pillars that, that I see here. The first one is efficiency. The second is profitability. Third, sustainability. And fourth, environmental responsibility. I was wondering if you could kind of explain what these are and maybe we can go into each one a little bit and you can give us some background. Yes. So environmental friendly, it's all the processes that you can do that will have less impact you know, in the environment. There's a line that you just comply with policy, but I always think that customers should drive for and aim for you know, doing an extra mile and put it into their ESG programs. So that's one of the pillars. Sustainability, you know, I've always been very wary that everything has to work not only in the short term, but in the long term. And for that, you know, we need to maximize and make processes much more efficient with the resources that you have in mind. And you can do it by implementing more segregation and more uh, waste streams that can increase the value of it instead of having mixed material. Great. And then I think efficiency and profitability were the other two. Okay. Efficiency in that pillar, it means that, you know, when a scrap uh, program, you can, instead of uh, having forklift drivers driving around, just picking up all the scrap and, you know, moving it. For in one shift, you can do everything more efficiently if you start like creating leaner ways and more, more processes inside of your company to maximize the time and the segregation of the material. And then the last one, profitability. So in every scrap metal industry or any you know waste industry like paperboard, cardboard, paper or metals or plastics, you know, like I mentioned before, you know, the key component of all of the industry is basically having the less contaminated materials. The cleaner the materials the better uh, and higher rate of efficiency, and then you can recover more money out of it. It's not the same buying mixed plastic that when you do buy clean PET, for example, polystyrene, you can definitely just get a cleaner stream and just send it directly to recycle and get more material out of it and reprocess it for secondary markets. Based on your understanding of where the world is right now, where do you think the circular economy is is going? If you could kind of have a crystal ball right now and guess what it would say, what is going to happen in the future? I think the country is going to invest a lot of clean energy, and this is going to cause the need of more labor for environment scientists, environmental policymakers, people that will start doing, um, you know, that will definitely create a new sector in the workforce and the sustainability branch. And I think most of the companies will have to start doing these changes, not because of policies implemented by the government, you know, but it's because if you don't catch with it, you're going to get behind and you probably won't be able to survive in a world that compliance. It's going to be a must and it, it's going to be part of it. The uh, image that the products will, you know, will make the companies will do to make you know the products so if people were going to demand that you know consumers were going to like more green companies 
and we would like to buy more from them. You know, they're sustainable. So we're going to start ditching the things that are, are going to be harming our environment. What advice do you have for either individual consumers or businesses that are kind of making decisions, whether it's walking down the aisle and buying, you know, products or brands that are currently developing, you know, packaging for their products? I think as as decision makers, we need to start seeing ourselves like that. You know, we need to start ditching plastic out of our household. We need to start like doing compost and decreasing the uh, the waste volume that you know, our house can create and go to landfill. And also we need to spread the word. We need to rethink and re-educate ourselves for the future that it's coming because we're going to go into a deglobalization and we're going to be more accountable now for our own plastic, our own consumption and our waste. I think that's basically what's going to change. We will be more accountable for that. And uh, I think that the uh, when the millennial um, generation starts to kick in, you know, we can have a faster movement towards that goal. Before we sign off, is there anything else that you'd like to share? I think that will, my last advice will be just to, you know, be curious and take for brands that they don't use as much as plastic and let's start like just being mindful of what our consumption is and start teaching our kids about how important it is to take care of the environment. Well, thank you so much for joining us on our episode today. And for all those listening, please go to scrapadvisors.com to learn more about Elizabeth's work. And I know uh, her contact information is on there as well. So feel free to reach out to her. Elizabeth, thank you so much. Thank you, Brandon. All right, bye now. Well, thank you so much for listening to our episode today. And a special thanks to Elizabeth for being on our show. Until next time, take good care of yourselves. Reach out if you have any questions or comments. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot.